Badger fans, and welcome to another edition of Bucky's Fifth Podcast. As always, Tyler Hunt and Matt Bell is here covering everything Wisconsin athletics. On today's show, I've got a little bit of football to talk, a big weekend this past weekend in the NFL, also some awards handed out uh, that some former Badgers were a part of. We'll talk about all things that. We've got a couple Badgers that are now Super Bowl champs, which is always fun to see. We'll get into everything from that. We've got uh, some decommitment uh, from the 2022 class that we'll get into briefly. And then, of course, in the back of the show, we'll get into um, some offensive line depth chart talk, and then we'll ride that right into basketball. Unfortunately for the Badgers, not the prettiest game they've played all season, coming off that huge win against Michigan State, kind of a clunker game against Rutgers. So we'll talk about everything from that as well. Matt, how are you this morning? I'm doing great. How are you doing, man? I'm good. I'm good. Excited to uh, get into some of these uh, awards and conversations about some of these NFL guys and then Unfortunately, we have to dive into a Badgers loss, just kind of an uncharacteristic loss for this team uh, coming off of the way they played uh, in that Michigan State game. But we'll get into all that in the back of the show. But we'll start in terms of recruiting. Um, Some latest news for you guys, if you're looking and paying attention to this latest cycle, 2022 um, walk-on, preferred walk-on linebacker, Austin Hartnow, announced that he's going to be decommitting from Wisconsin. He was a player from the Seattle area, kind of, off the off the wall, off the board. You know, he didn't really expect it when he announced his commitment. Kind of from an area that Wisconsin generally doesn't recruit super well or, or get into. So you kind of scratch your head at it. But hey, he's a three-star kid, a big frame, um, coming on as a walk-on. You felt like it was a good fit, but for him, he decided that he was going to decommit, maybe go somewhere closer to home. I'm interested to see where he ends up because he's a player to certainly keep an eye on. Had not a ton of Division One offers. Um, in terms of a scholarship, he had some FCS offers, Central Washington, Georgetown, Harvard, and Dartmouth. Uh, and then Washington State also offered him a extended uh, a walk-on offer as well. So going to be an interesting one to watch. But what did you make of his decommitment from Wisconsin? Yeah, I mean, he's a guy that actually reached out to Bobby April to get his recruitment going. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it was It was not something to where he was on Wisconsin's radar until he had uh, kind of put the legwork in there. So um, he was a guy who seemed to be all Badgers, but uh, you look at the the chance to possibly be closer to home, maybe have a, a full-ride scholarship, both of those things I would I'd be looking at as possibilities here of why he decommitted. Um, you, you mentioned the Washington State walk-on offer. I know he had a, a bunch of other Pac-12 teams that were talking to him at one point when I, when I talked with him. So – I could see, uh, you know, a walk-on opportunity at Washington or maybe a scholarship offer from a place like Air Force kind of shifting things towards uh, towards a different path for him. But really, overall, I think this guy's just fine. Um, at, at linebacker, they brought in a ton of guys. You, you look at Luna Larson as a walk-on. Uh, is a guy that I think I was higher on than, than him to, to begin with. So I, overall, I think Wisconsin's going to be just fine. But it, Best of luck to to him. He was a really nice kid when I had a chance to talk to him a couple of times. Yeah, anytime you you know, there's a recruiter or player that doesn't feel like it's a perfect 100% fit. You know, you got to wish them the best that they go on and find that fit for for their personal career. I mean, that's a a long journey away from home and you know, being from Seattle area over to Wisconsin. You've got to be 100% in it and and want to be 
uh, at that spot. And if it doesn't feel 100% comfortable, then absolutely you've got to look for something that's maybe more comfortable for you because that's a big jump to take. That's a, a long ways away from, from home. And, and maybe that's not the case. Maybe it's, uh, like you mentioned, there's, there could certainly be other offers in play, a better situation, scholarship-wise, all sorts of things can play in decision. It's, uh, he doesn't have to explain any sort of decision to us. And I know he said he's got the, uh, the, the best of wishes and, and best of luck to Wisconsin as he moves forward. So hopefully he can go and, and find a spot where he lands on his feet and, uh, has a, has a great college career. He's a kid that I think, as you mentioned, it was, you were super impressed. I know when we were talking about him when we, when he first announced his commitment, um, you had a lot of high praises to say about, you know, what type of a kid he was in terms of character. So hopefully he lands somewhere and has a very successful collegiate career. Absolutely. All right. Up next, last Thursday, the news broke. I know we recorded Thursday morning, so we didn't get a chance to talk about this, but some Badgers in the NFL made some splashes. We'll start with TJ Watt winning defensive player of the year award. Really not all that surprising. I mean, the guy was just dominant all season long. You kind of expected him to get that award after the output numbers he put. Um, just an incredible season, 22 and a half sacks. And I believe, I don't even believe he was out for a couple games, I thought too. So I mean, to rack up those numbers on a not even a full season that way was just, uh, incredibly impressive. So what do you make of TJ Watt and, and his performance? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's awesome. He, he's one of the best defensive players in, in the game. You, you see just the impact he can have, but it, it's been fun to, to kind of see his, um, transformation over his time. You know, he, he went through, with the NFL on fire right away as a, a rookie with seven sacks, but then second year Pro Bowl, third year, uh, he was all pro Pro Bowl and got third in defensive player of the year. Um, two years ago in 2020, he got, he was second in voting. Um, and so it was nice to see him actually get that recognition and win defensive player of the year this past year. But you're right. He missed two games and he still had 22 and a half sacks and 20, it just absurd t- numbers of tackles for loss with 21. So. He, he just makes such an impact on the defense for, for them. And, and there's a reason the Steelers had so many guys go to the Pro Bowl is because he just takes such, uh, so much focus on their defense away from others. Um, that they have other guys that can go and make plays, but, um, I, I think he is well deserving and it was cool to see JJ hand that award over to him. Um, given, uh, that, that, that brother aspect, it was very cool to see. Yeah, definitely a very special moment for the, for that family. I mean, it's a, a family that just continues to impress uh, at all levels that way. I mean, you look at, he of course this offseason had the, there's no way to, to, to follow up, you know, a contract negotiation, holding out, you know, wanting for more money to get that new deal and then coming out and win defense player of the year. You really earned your keep and earned your money that way. And I think that's a really cool story uh, for him as well. I mean, just, a guy that can disrupt an entire game plan. We saw it at Wisconsin. Uh, we, we knew, you know, Badger fans knew that wherever he ended up at the pro level, he was going to be uh, a player that, that did something special. And, and certainly here is an, a great example of that defensive player of the year and really not going to be a guy that is, is going to be slowing down anytime soon. I know you mentioned it you know, very early in his career. He's made huge splashes. You only expect him to continue to get better and better. And it's going to be a hard season to top and follow up, but. I'm sure a guy like, uh, you know, TJ Watt is, is really welcome to the challenge. And uh, again, so fun to watch. You know, I know Packer fans always have a little bit of a sad taste in their mouth knowing that he could have been a Green Bay Packer, but he ended up in Pittsburgh and it seems like a, a great fit for him. And he's just, uh, continues to dominate, um, in the short span of his career, you know, only a few seasons in the league, but really just been dominating from the jump. 
Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, I still remember back to that interception he had against, um, Northwest, or was it Purdue? Purdue. Purdue, yeah. Um, where he took it back to the house and that, that kind of signaled that he was going to be someone special. Um, and you, you saw him, him be able to do that at the NFL now. And he's only 27 years old. It's only going to get better for him. Speaking of players that are still young and only getting better, Jonathan Taylor also brought home an award on Thursday night. He was the winner of the FedEx Brown Player of the Year Award. Uh, of course, a multiple-time Doak Walker winner in, at the college level. Just keeps putting up big numbers in the NFL. I know there was some conversation for him to be – he was in that MVP conversation, of course, won by Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady in that conversation as well. But Jonathan Taylor, really, again, a special season, 2,171 yards from scrimmage, 20 touchdowns. You know, at Wisconsin, not necessarily a huge backfield threat or in terms of catching the ball out of the backfield, also racked up 40 receptions for 360 yards. So he's a guy that's really well-rounded his game, uh, getting to the NFL level and very deserving of this award. I know Badger fans were hoping to see him uh, bring home that MVP award, but it's hard to beat out Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady in that run. But still great to see him recognized for uh, round player of the year and, and very well-deserving for him as well. Yeah, I mean, he, he was the best running back in the entire NFL this past year. Um, he came in second for offensive player of the year, um, was an all pro, got to go to his first pro bowl. I mean, it is about as good of a season as you could have asked for if you're Jonathan Taylor. And, um, he was the reason that Indianapolis was, uh, having a chance to be in the playoffs there, um, late in the season. But I mean, 1800 yards, 18 touchdowns. Um, on the ground and then you add 360 yards, um, receiving and he, he was just a force. Um, and he did a little bit of everything for them, continuing his massive career and, um, one of the best guys to do it in a Badger uniform. And you knew he was going to have success, um, based off of his college career at the NFL. Absolutely. He was just a guy that was incredibly special and we, uh, really enjoyed watching everything that he did at the NFL level and then it continues to hopefully he can get those big numbers continue to put up and, and maybe work him way, work his way into an MVP conversation once again as his career goes on because he's a guy uh, that's really just getting started at the NFL uh, level that way. All right, up next, speaking of guys getting ready to go to the NFL, we've got a couple NFL uh, combine invites for the Wisconsin Badgers, Logan Bruss, uh, Leo Chennault, Jake Ferguson and Jack Sanborn, not really a huge surprise. These guys are all guys that we expect to uh, make a splash at the next level. You know, Chanel and Ferguson, of course, probably pretty higher mid, mid-round mid type of guys, maybe even higher if they impress at the combine. So what did you make of those four getting their invites? Yeah, I think it's a big opportunity for, for those guys, especially um, Jack Sanborn as well. I mean, you look at Logan Bruss, uh, I, I, we'll see kind of uh, uh, what the combine can do for him. I, I was surprised that maybe a guy like Seltzner didn't get um, a look, but but really the guy I thought was snubbed was Matt Henningsen. I think he he had a lot to gain from going to that combine, but I, I do think that he'll have a good pro day and and that'll shoot him up draft boards a little bit. But but really I think the the main the main takeaway here is that we will get to see if Leo Chanel can just break the bench record um, for a linebacker because the dude can just bench everything. So hopefully he. He has been uh, continuing to work on his craft, and I, I, I know he already just recently put out a, a bench press video, which we're back to, like it comes full circle after his freshman year. Um, it was like Braylon Allen workout videos, and now and then 
going from Leo Chanel to Braylon Allen, and now we're back to Leo Chanel workout videos, which I think will be great uh, going into this combine. But um, overall, I think all those guys are very deserving, and it'll be fun to see how they perform. Yeah, I'm excited to see what those guys can do at the next level. You've got uh, quite, you know, uh, a ton of talent, a ton of guys that have done a lot for Wisconsin. We want to make sure to continue and, and keep an eye on them as they move forward, and hopefully they can go and have a good combine and, and make a name for themselves and jump up some of these draft boards. I'm excited to see where some of these guys end up, and very well deserving of, uh, of a look at the NFL level. We'll see how they um, pan out over the course of these next uh, next few weeks and, and months as we get through this uh, kind of now the downtime offseason for the Wisconsin Badgers and, and that group. All right, up next in terms of news, of course, we got to talk about it. Uh, a couple Wisconsin Badgers are now Super Bowl champions. Of course, Rob Havenstein, David Edwards, two offensive linemen that did a ton at Wisconsin. They went to the next level and picked up a ring, which is always great to see for them. Um, a fun game back and forth. I know there's a lot of Badger fans that uh, were, were, were rooting for the Rams. You, of course, um, it's always fun to see you know, Wisconsin Badger players involved in that game, and it was really a, a great game back and forth. So what do you make of those two being uh, Super Bowl champions? Yeah, you have to feel very excited for them, and it's just another point to show, hey, if you are a Wisconsin offensive lineman, you can go and and play at the highest level from here and and do it on the biggest stage. And um, credit to both of them because they've, they've uh, been in the league for a while now, specifically Havenstein, um, and uh, they're, I don't see them going anywhere either. So uh, best of luck to them um, going into next year, and I'm, I'm sure they're still partying from, from last night. Oh, yeah, that's going to be uh, – I mean, it's got to be quite a quite a huge party in that Super Bowl uh, celebration. And both of those guys, very deserving players. Really a lot of fun to watch at their time at Wisconsin, but and can certainly um, you know now boast that Super Bowl ring. And for the Badgers, as you mentioned, that's a great recruiting piece. To say, hey, we've got another two linemen that went to the NFL and, and played and played at the highest level and, and won the biggest game you can win in the game of football. That certainly uh, helps that recruiting front in the back um, to have that in your back pocket and be able to pull it out when you're, when you're talking through a recruit and say, hey, look at the track record that we've had with some of these guys, you know, not just the offensive line, but you're talking going back to Jonathan Taylor, T.J. Watt, players that at Wisconsin that have really been part of something special. So it's really going to be a uh, well-deserving, and, and I'm excited to see what those guys can bring uh, to the table as they move forward um, into their respective careers now with a, a Super Bowl ring. You know, there's there's not you can't take that away from anybody once they got it, and those guys are very well-deserving. Yeah, I mean. 40% of the starting line of the Super Bowl champions were Wisconsin Badgers. That's pretty cool. That is that is an impressive stat, uh, for sure, that way. All right, I think that's everything in terms of news, but now since we've been talking about the offensive line, why don't we go ahead and roll into one of our last couple positions on the off, or of the depth chart, and we'll talk about the offensive line from this past year and then look ahead to next year, because I think that's a, a very interesting conversation. We look at some of the pieces coming back. I'll be interested to see where we um, are expecting some of these guys to be in terms of starters and, and backups and who's going to compete and win for those five jobs. I mean, looking back at this past year, really an offensive line that, of course, we've talked about it all all season long, especially early on the year, kind of had that hockey line, shuffling guys in and out, um, didn't quite work the way they wanted to, didn't get off to the best start that they had. But, of course, a nice winning streak in the middle of the season. This offensive line kind of got clicking. Things got figured out, and they were um, you know, a lot better than where they were early in the season. Part of that, of course, is Braylon Allen, but part of that is the offensive line opening holes for them as well. So 
What did you make of the offensive line this past year? I know it's kind of a tale of two two parts of the season for this group, but I think overall they're, they they probably wanted more from their season in terms of their accomplishments, but I don't think this is necessarily a group that deserves any huge amount of knocks because I think they were a, a solid group and got better over the course of the entire 12-game season. Yeah, I mean, they, they had their moments they had of, of both positive and negative. I think early on you, you saw the the – you know, the shifts, I will say, where they brought everybody in, um, in, in and out in five people rotations. But I think the, the big thing is they were banged up after fall camp. You saw Howard Beach probably was not ready to be out there, um, against Penn State. And that played a huge role in why Wisconsin, um, struggled in that game. But Logan Bross, you saw injuries. Logan Brown, who was supposed to be Beach's backup, um, also banged up. So going into those, Early games, I think you saw uh, two new starters um, at center and right guard mixed in with some guys being banged up, and and Josh Selson really being the only guy who was you know ready to roll um, and was healthy all of camp that, and experienced. So I think that it took a little bit for for this team to kind of find a rhythm. I still think they got bailed out quite a bit by uh, Braylon Allen and, and his ability to break tackles, but. Um, there's there's going to be changes in this group. I think there's going to be a lot of competition going into next year as well. Um, but but some bright spots is I do think that a guy like Joe Titman um, really played well as a, as a first year starter coming off of an injury. You didn't know what you had with him. Jack Nelson, you I thought he played fairly well at at right guard. Um, so I think you had two guys that you can really build off of. Hey, they had a really solid first year. Um, in a starting role, and now we'll see what how they can grow from there. Two four-star kids. I know that um, Nelson also had a five-star label, depending upon the service. But I think that's the the you know where you're building off of from there. And you also saw some younger guys get some playing time when they did that rotation. Uh, so I, I do think that while it was not the greatest year, it is a, a nice building season for them. And I, I think that under new leadership, you might see a little bit more of a fire from this group, which, which could be exciting as well. Yeah. I think that's going to be something that's super important for this group. I and mean, when you're looking at what you've got going forward, this is a, I think this is a group that, you know, and, and Wisconsin offensive linemen overall, that group holds themselves to a certain standard. I mean, there's certain teams across the country that would certainly take some of the performances that they've had, but part, of, but I think this group wanted to be better than what they showed, especially there were certain points where just the offense couldn't get, couldn't get it going. The pass protection was struggling. The running game was struggling to get going. And when you're Wisconsin, you talk about NFL guys, offensive linemen playing at the highest level in the biggest games. You hold yourself to that standard as well, and I don't think this group necessarily met that this past year. But this is still going to be going forward, like you mentioned, under new leadership. I'm going to be excited to see if this group can get back to being the physical brand of football that this Wisconsin offensive lineman and these programs have built themselves on, and uh, I'm excited to see where their journey takes them. So, of course, you talk about it. Bob Bo said likely the new offensive lineman or the new offensive lineman coach that way. So. Where do you think he looks to try and improve this group? Maybe do some shuffling, or who do you think is maybe the the first five that you'd roll out if you're him at the position coach and trying to really revamp this offensive lineman group? I think one of the big things is that they're going to try to put more athletes out there. Um, you, you have a lot of young guys who are very talented and that probably lay, uh, bring a little bit more in terms of athleticism than what you had last year. Um, so – 
You've, you've got some of those uh, kids who are freshmen. So Nolan Rucci, Riley Malman. I, I think they're going to get a chance here. Trey Wedig, another four-star kid. They're going to get a chance to see the field. Um, and I think that it's going to be a hell of a competition. I think Tyler Beach, um, at least if it was me, I'd be popping him back over to right tackle. I thought that um, he, he didn't move his feet uh, nearly as well as I would have hoped for as your left tackle um, on the blind side of the quarterback. He did much better as a junior on the right side. So I would, I would flip him right back. I think you, you roll with, um, your center right guard combination that got you there. Um, and I know that that means probably you're replacing two guys on the left side, um, and going with a, a full new group over there. But at, at the same time, I think that that allows for you to build rapport going into the following season as well in 2023 when I think this team's going to be even better. So I, I think Logan Brown's probably going to be the guy that gets the first crack at left tackle um, or right tackle, I guess, if they keep Beach at left tackle. Um, but but I do think that uh, Riley Mullman, the guy who was in early enrollee last year, Nolan Rucci, a former uh, a five-star kid, are going to get every chance to to make a move into that role too. Trey Wedding too, he's just a mammoth of a guy. I think so. The tackles are where I'm going to be most interested to see because – Beach could even pop into guard where he's played before too. So, but then I think the, the guy who probably is the best bet of somebody who didn't start last year to, to grab a starting spot that isn't named Logan Brown would be Tanner Bordellini. I think he, he is, uh, has some really good feet. He moves well. He's played a ton of different positions, played center. He's played guard. He's played right tackle. Um, I, I would be surprised if he's not in uh, the rotation in some way, shape, or form. Um, I would guess it'd be at left guard, probably where he's most well equipped. But I, he played a bunch of right tackle last year too, or or maybe they put him at center and, and, and bump out um, bump out Tipman. But I, I just think you you probably want to keep Tipman and, and Nelson where they're at for now. Yeah, I agree with you. I think that those positions I think make the most sense. I mean, you look at Logan Brown. It's gotta, it's gotta be time at this point where you gotta see what he's got. You gotta put him out there in some way, shape, or form. One of those tackle spots, if you bump Beach over to right tackle and have him there, if, if he's ready to take on that left tackle spot, I think on paper, that's how you'd want to lay it out. Now sometimes, you know, that was maybe the situation they were hoping for, you know, coming into these last couple of years and his development maybe just wasn't there yet. And if it's not ready to go, if, if Logan Brown's just, it's not panning out the way they want it to, then yeah, there's going to be other guys that get crack at this position. If you're not performing at a high level with this offensive line room, you're going to probably get beat out or somebody else is going to get a shot. There's too much talent in this room to not have this this group playing to a high level. So I think at least to start, he, he's certainly a guy that could get uh, the spot. I, I agree with you. Bordellini is a guy that you think just seems like a guy that has to be out there. He's done a, a lot for this team early in his career and I think can, can give you some good – um, some good performances, some good snaps, wherever you want to put him. I know Wisconsin likes to have these, some of these guys that are flexible in terms of position, and he's a guy that you can move all around. Tipman is a great option at center, and then yeah, the, if you're if you're building that out with based on Brown at left tackle, that means you you've got Beach, who I knew was kind of a wild card with him coming back. I know some people didn't expect him to be back, so all of a sudden you've got a guy that's played a lot of football, but you're likely not going to have him unless he's just not performing he's likely going to be a guy that's in there as a starter. So that makes your right tackle spot figured out. And then you probably, like you said, you don't want to move Jack Nelson unless um, you feel that he's really ready to take on a, a different spot and you feel like he's going to be a lot better at that spot because he had a tremendous year this past year and really gives you something 
at that right guard spot. So it's going to be interesting. There's likely going to be some changes of, of philosophy and, and who Bob Bostad is higher on compared to who Rudolph was higher on. But I, I think either way, if he can come out and, and get as much talent out of this group as they have on paper, I think this is going to be a, a starting five and, a, and really a backup five that uh, should be a pretty strong group. So it's going to be a fun competition for all the spots. But right now you at least see you, you see some options there. Will be interesting to see, you know, just kind of how Bob, how Bosett kind of manages that, and who he maybe bumps in or out, and, and how that competition works itself out. Yeah, I think I think it's going to be fun to see because you don't know where Bosett's head's at. Um, I know that he's going to be coming in wanting to change things, so maybe a guy like Beach gets beaten out. Mm-hmm. I, I wouldn't be shocked to see that. I think he he is a talented player. We didn't see him perform nearly as well this past year, but maybe a guy like Trey Weddig ends up at right tackle, and you've got. Um, your your two big time guys from that 2020 class on the right side, and and then you have Logan Brown, your 2019 stud recruit on the on the left. I I, I think that would probably increase the athleticism of the offensive line quite a bit. But I, I just I I don't know where Bob Bosted's going to look at this group because you know Joe Rudolph was willing to plug in young guys over established starters. We saw that last year with Pittman um, beating out Caden Miles. Uh, relatively early and easy in that in that battle, uh, you saw Jack Nelson being plugged in immediately uh, in in fall camp. So I I, th- I think there's a lot of guys to to look out for. Any of those younger um, tackles that that also have the possibility to play guard, I, I think are guys that you need to watch out for because Logan Brown can play guard or tackle. I think if they if they wanted to bump him inside, he's six six. Whereas you have some guys like like Riley Mullman. And, and Nolan Rucci, who are both 6'8", it's going to be tough to, to throw those guys inside. Bill Jack Nelson did it at 6'7". But I, I do think that there's going to be plenty of competition, and I, I wouldn't be surprised if there's some shakeups on that line just based off of the fact that Bostead is going to want to go in and, and make some wholesale changes to make this group better. Yeah, it's going to be a fun group to watch. I mean, every conversation we've had with these depth charts, there's always a couple – guys or, or spots that you're looking to that you think are going to be uh, a competition. And with the new offensive line coach, a new a new sort of philosophy there, all these guys are going to be wanting to prove themselves. Of course, you've got guys that have played a lot of football like Tyler Beach, but he's still now working under a different position coach, and there's going to be all sorts of different philosophies and aspects that you've got to consider um, with this offensive line group. So it's going to be a fun competition, plenty of talent to get it figured out, and, and certainly if there's a guy that can get it figured out and clicking. Bob Bosa has had a pretty good track record of doing so, so I'm excited to see what this group can do as they move forward. All right, guys, that wraps up our football talk. But before we get into basketball, I've got to talk to you about homefieldapparel.com. If you haven't listened or checked it out already, make sure to go over to Homefield Apparel. They've got a whole host of new schools. They recently dropped their newest school in the uh, big new Saturday Season 3 in the NC State Wolfpack. That was Week 4 for them, so you can still sign up. Of course, a regular subscription is $32. This is knocked down to $20. Um, so you're all of a sudden you're getting a shirt every week for um, the rest of this big new Saturday season three. So you've still got four weeks left. I must say this latest collection of NC State stuff, if you don't have a connection to NC State, it doesn't matter because there's some pretty cool uh, gear in there, um, some nice crew necks, and, of course, they also have their Wisconsin um, collection as well. So make sure to go over and check that out, Home Field Apparel. Dot com. Pick yourself, pick yourself up a new T-shirt, new sweatshirt, anything, and, and live in the comfort that Home Field Apparel brings. 
All right, we talked some football now. Let's get into basketball, which really kind of a weird game for Wisconsin. Just really didn't have their A game. You, you know, you talked about they played so well in that Michigan State game. Then you get into this Rutgers game, and, and granted, to Rutgers, they did enough to to win the game. Wisconsin certainly helped them in a lot of a lot of key areas. And right now, this Rutgers team is just playing um, at a pretty good level. But overall, what did you take from? from this game and, and just kind of a, a clunker for the Badgers against the Scarlet Knights team that is, is kind of red hot right now. Yeah, you knew that this was a possibility based off the way Rutgers was playing, but really Wisconsin started off the game not not playing tremendous defense, um, making some uncharacteristic mistakes. Rutgers was able to take advantage of that early on. And and really, Rutgers just made some terrific shots. Like, they were making a living on jump shooting, and they made them. Um, Wisconsin really wasn't able to take advantage of, of some extra opportunities at the free throw line as well, which, which really hurt them, especially in the first half. Um, you know, Wisconsin had chances in this game, uh, especially early, but – those mistakes, and it wasn't anything egregious. It was just little things that kind of added up. Um, I, I think the second half, late in the game, their inability to close it out and, and score. I mean, they went over four minutes without a field goal late, and, and you can't do that against a good team that had been leading for most of it. Um, it it's You just can't do that. Um, so Wisconsin was just outplayed in a lot of ways. Uh, Brad Davison struggled from three once again. His fourth straight game, where he shot under twenty or uh, under thirty percent from three. Uh, and and as a team, three point shooting, free throws. I mean, they make all their free throws similar to what Rutgers did, and, and you've got a tie game. Uh, so you you can usually look to free throws and add them up, and you're going to be in, in a very different spot. But that was a big point of, of this game, and Wisconsin just didn't hit enough jumpers compared to Rutgers, who just seemed like every tough jumper that they took, every three-pointer that they needed, every late shot clock jump shot just went in. And, and it was multiple different guys. Their backcourt just outplayed Wisconsin um, for most of the night. You saw Johnny Davis wasn't didn't necessarily have a, a tremendous game either. So I, I just think it was one of those games where – the Badgers just got outplayed um, and on their home court, and you hope that you they can bounce back because they're going to have to play this Rutgers team here pretty quick um, in in a in a few days or weeks here. So I, I think Wisconsin will have their chances, but this was a tough loss overall. Yeah, I mean, uh, and credit to Rutgers. Like I said, their their team is playing probably the best basketball of the season. They're in last episode you talked about kind of a gauntlet in terms of their schedule, but they're picking up wins they need to, to try and make a push to get into the NCAA tournament. But, yeah, Wisconsin, I mean, you look at it, free throws, just so uncharacteristic of this team, you know, to shoot 59 or 52% from from the charity stripe is it's just not going to get it done. And you would expect that, that Greg Gard and this group expect much more from themselves uh, in that regard. And then defensively, things just – they weren't clicking. Granted, Rutgers, you mentioned it, they made – they knocked down what seemed like a lot of tough shots, but still – this Wisconsin team just didn't feel like they were um, on uh, on their highest level in terms of defensive output, and then you know the shot selection. I, I think shoot the the offense wasn't necessarily bad, I and mean, you look at Brad Davison really struggling to shoot the ball again and, and continuing to struggle. But overall, the offense, I mean, they they knocked down a decent amount of shots. It's just you can't you can't miss some of these open shots and and struggle from the from the three point range of some of these again. When, when the other team is just seeming to knock down everything tough. I mean, that's, that's just sometimes the, the breaks that way. And, and 
it's it's not necessarily always a fair game where sometimes they were hitting some some fallbacks and, and fadeaways and just tough jumpers and Wisconsin was missing some open ones. But sometimes that's the game of basketball. And, and when Wisconsin was not get, was not able to keep pace with a Rutgers team like that, it's hard to win, especially when you're not playing your best defensively, when you're not knocking down uh, free throws, when you're struggling to you know, to hang out of the basketball at some points. It was just a very uncharacteristic game. Um, for this team, and you thought maybe they'd lay an egg off of that Michigan State game, but so far this team all season has really done a good job of putting the last game behind them, win or loss, and, and coming out and playing their best the next game. And, and unfortunately, Wisconsin, they just did not have it in this Rutgers game, and, and hopefully they can get some things cleaned up because they've got a, another tough test uh, on Tuesday night. Yeah, I mean, you look at it, Rutgers played just about flawless in a lot of mm-hmm. ways. I mean, Wisconsin made only gave up four offensive rebounds, but it led to 10 points for, for Rutgers, which is, I mean, that's telling you they scored every single time they got an offensive rebound. Um, Wisconsin had double-digit turnovers for the first time since they played at Nebraska, and while that's not like a huge glaring thing, 11 turnovers is still a pretty low number, uh, it, it was a big deal when those happened because the majority of them happened in the second half. Uh, where they had eight of their 11 turnovers. And you saw it was, there was a stretch where it was basically turnovers and, and missed Davis and three pointers. It was like a, a full on two minute stretch where that's all their offense was, were, were was, uh, turnovers or, or Davis and missed three pointers. And, and you can't have huge lulls like that. Um, and like I said, credit to Rutgers. They shot over 50% for three from, from the floor and, and were almost 90% from the free throw line, uh, where they, where they converted every time they got there. So they, they did what they needed to do. I think Wisconsin gave them a, a ton of, uh, you know, momentum early in the game by just not being as, as stout on defense as you would have hoped for. And, and then Rutgers just kind of carried that through the rest of the game. Wisconsin was playing catch up for most of it. Um, but Wisconsin would find that lead. And they had a lead with 439 left to go, and they just they couldn't close it. They didn't weren't able to score there, um, and, and that's tough to watch because this is a team that has shown that they can do it game in and game out. But Johnny Davis, four turnovers, um, like big turnovers, and some of them that were he, – he just – he looked hesitant at times where you haven't seen that, where he'd get into the lane and he struggled with the length of, of Rutgers, which, you know, Rutgers has a really long group. We've talked about that the past couple of years that they just really do, but that was still something where he'd get in the lane and he would jump with the chance to to hit a jumper and he would end up swinging and trying to throw it out to somebody else instead of um, going up with it strong. So I, Wisconsin's got to fix some things uh, in terms of shooting. They haven't been a great shooting team all year long, but but when you have your starting backcourt of Davison, Hepburn, and Davis combining. To, to make two three-pointers on 16 shots from deep, it's going to be really hard to win. It just is. Um, You've you got to love the work that Stephen Crowell and, and Tower Wall continue to bring. I think those two are playing at a very high level, and they're probably the most consistent guys. Like, Davis is your top-level player. Like, he just is. He has, he has the highest ceiling. He can take over a game at any given moment. But the play of Tyler Wall and Stephen Crowell, um, and I think you can even lump in Chucky Hepburn um, at times, are, are just your kind of guiding forces throughout this. Davidson's been streaky lately as well. So Wisconsin needs to get back to where their starting guards, their top two scorers, are, are giving them consistent outputs. And until that happens, 
they're going to be in some tough games in the Big Ten, and these type of performances can happen where if it's not clicking and the other team gets hot because you you weren't able to kind of make the necessary stops, or maybe they hit some some you know just some tough shots that you, there's not much else you can do, you're going to lose. And hopefully they can figure it out because that starting backcourt needs to shoot a lot better than than how they did, um, specifically Davison, and he'll be the first one to tell you that uh, he needs to turn it around because the past four games have have not been great for him. Yeah, he, he's certainly been a guy that's that's slumping, and you you've got another you've got other offensive options that you can go to, but Brad Davison's still a guy that you you hope that you can try and play through a little bit and, and knock down some key jumpers. And early in the season, this team was really clicking, and, and Johnny Davis was do, was doing his thing, and and Brad Davison was knocking down shots and being another scoring option that well. So scoring option that way as well. So you're looking at this team. I mean, you, you mentioned it, securing a lead with 439 left. You know, the Michigan State game did such a great job of closing. The Rutgers game just didn't have it. They're not able to really put anything together over the, the final stretches. And despite all the, the tough plays that they had throughout the game, you know, if you, you knock down a couple buckets there, you knock down a couple free throws, you're, you're, you're in a position to win this game. So it's a tough one. It'll be a, a tough one to swallow for this team. Uh, they've had such high highs, and this is certainly one that not the lowest of lows. Like Rutgers is a team that, like we've said already a couple times, is playing really well and deserves the credit. But Wisconsin certainly could have won this basketball game, and, and that'll leave a sour taste in your mouth. But thankfully for them, when you're playing this past weekend. You don't. It's not really a long time between your next game. You've got you know you've got Tuesday night. You're going to Indiana, so you've got to really be ready to put that in the past and hopefully come out and execute at a much higher level um, on Tuesday because playing at Indiana is certainly a tough place to play. That's going to be a team that is looking to pick up as many wins as they can get as they try to push towards March. So here in the rest of the way out, this Big Ten schedule doesn't matter who you're getting unless it's, you know, the, the bottom feeders like Nebraska. You're going to get a tough uh, game, and if you're not playing up to the level that this conference plays at consistently night in and night out, you're going to get beat, and that's what we saw from the Badgers this past uh, weekend. Yeah, and you look at it, Wisconsin's schedule is pretty favorable um, mm-hmm. going forward when you compare it to some of the other teams in the conference. But I I, I also still want to just say, like, fans shouldn't move the goalpost on this team. Yeah. Like, like let's remember that this was a team that we were hoping would get into the NCAA tournament. They are now scratching and clawing to try to be like a two-seed. Um, so it, it they have definitely overperformed. They've played phenomenally well, and they've – had some really fun moments. I mean, this was a team that just went into the to Breslin Center and, and beat Michigan State by 12, or I mean by eight, I should say. So they they are be able to to have these moments where they're going to be really really good. But there's going to be games where if they're not shooting, which they have because they have games like that where they can't hit anything, they're going to fall. And that's and that's you know part of this team's DNA at this point. But they've got to get back to playing the defense like we saw against Michigan State to to kind of propel them to a win. Because you look at it, they almost lost to Penn State for a very similar performance of how it was against Rutgers, where they just didn't have necessarily the offense that they needed, and they didn't have some of their top guys playing as well as you'd hope. Hopefully that turns around. I think they match up better against Indiana than they did against Rutgers based off of um, the length of of Rutgers as guards, not necessarily their bigs. Indiana's got some really talented bigs, but that's a big game between this Indiana game and the Michigan game. Those are games you're going to have to win. I think I think you're looking at um, those two as almost must wins right now if you want to continue to to have a chance to to win the Big Ten because 
you look across the conference and some of these other teams that are vying for a, a title are, are going to be taking on some, some tougher opponents. Not to say Indiana's not really good, not to say Michigan doesn't have the ability to be really, really talented. Um, but these are games that you've got to, you got to win, um, because it's, it's crunch time now and they couldn't close against Rutgers. Hopefully they can close out this season and, and continue to play well, uh, or, or I should say better based off of the fact that really, their last four games, I would say the Michigan State game is the only game you can look to and feel pretty happy about it. Like like Illinois, they got, you know, just absolutely ran over by the fighting Illini. Penn State game, they, that was a grinder that they won. Um, and Rutgers was was not a game that you, I think they were very excited about. Uh, I know Greg Gard said you could hear a pin drop in the locker room when he got in there. So this this team knows that they let – let let that game slip away, and and hopefully they can turn around and win a couple in a row here. Yeah, that'd certainly be uh, a nice sight to see. It'll be a tough contest Tuesday evening against Indiana. Um, and hopefully the Badgers can look to bounce back and finish the season strong. I know this one was certainly a, a disappointment for them, but this team has has been knocked to the floor before. They you know they're not perfect, but hopefully they can bounce back and put together a solid win here and try and restart that winning streak uh, against Indiana Tuesday night. All right, guys, that wraps up another episode of the podcast. As always, thank you for listening on Wisconsin.